I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody and you're all very welcome to the show on a sparkling, gorgeous jewel of a morning here in the west of Ireland. The cleaners were up all night scrubbing. You'd say the world, you'd almost think the world is for sale. Uh, It's gorgeous here today. I was doing this uh, strange thing that a psychologist suggested to me years ago and I only remembered it like it was was suggested to me 10 years ago and I only uh, remembered to do it last Wednesday. Is it's a it's a guy called Doctor Nepal, or Nepal, and he, he does this thing called biurnal beats. I, I I I know very little about it. If being honest with you, um, I just remembered it. And what it is is you put on a set of headphones and you play this kind of track that lasts anywhere from ten minutes to eight hours, and it supposedly the the beats and the sound have a way of firing different synapses inside in your head. And, and it's a bit of a trip anyway. So I thought I'd go on it. There was, there was nothing on the telly. <laughs> Only a repeat of the snooker and uh, Kilkenny versus Cork from 1973. So I, I throw on the headphones and then I get lost in this uh, dream thing for a minute. But the clearest sensation I had of it was it kind of took me back to a, an imagined state I was in when I was about five years of age. And I I had this sense of being with my family when I was five and the missed opportunity of the, the Tiernans not telling each other that we loved one another. You know that we were an intense family, like all families are intense, and there's such a crisscross of strange motivations and energies and needs, and the deep mind gets engaged in deep relationships, and all types of stuff that's hard to deal with can come up, and you're you're living through it, and. The other passengers on this trip that you're taking are your family. And Bob Dylan has this great line. He said, I got nothing but affection for all those who've sailed with me. And ultimately, at the end of the at the end of the day, 
part of you might like to say to your family, you know, uh, I got nothing but affection for you. And then that's just that missed opportunity. That's what I felt anyway. Like I said, not a decision. I wasn't trying to feel that way. I just I noticed that I, I had a sense of myself kind of floating in the sitting room. And my mum and dad and somewhere in the house. And it was such an intense experience for all of us. And that we never had the facility nor saw the want of just saying, I love you all very much, even though I can't live with you. So it got me thinking about missed opportunities and whether that would be an interesting thing to talk about in the podcast. I don't really feel that way. I mean, I stood, I stood quite close to Bob Dylan one time and he, he walked past me and I, I, will I say something? Will I say something? And the only thing I could think of was, well, Bob, <laughs> you know, I mean, waste of time. I was in a cafe once with Allen Ginsberg, you know, the great American poet uh, he loosened the breath of American poetry. So American poetry was stuck in kind of and Ginsburg just and the Beatniks and Jack Kerouac, they just they loosened it. They made poetry more democratic. Anybody with the will could be a poet, really. And I was in so his most famous poem is Howl. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, angel-headed hipsters running through the Negro dawn looking for an angry fix. Something like that, anyway. That's the, the vagueness of it. But he came many years ago to do a show in Galway. And the hills, they echo And the hills, they echo he could sing as well as I can, which is kind of toneless. But there was something about the sincerity of it. That's, and he played this strange instrument that looked like a briefcase, some sort of Persian harmonium. And he just tonelessly chanted and the hills they echoed at the end of the thing for about 27 minutes. And it was a trip. It was, it was a pure trip. It was pure goodness. It was like... Singing without notes, you know, everybody is welcome to crow into this. But um, Galway is a small old place, so we kind of knew what restaurant, his late night cafe that he was going to go to. So uh, I went there anyway with a pal of mine called Lisa and we were just standing there and the place was wedged. Like the Jackson Croke Park at a half time during the Ireland Ireland final. Just wedged. Fellas pissing on another fella's legs. Children stealing oranges out of our lads' pockets. The priest on his knees trying to pick Tato up off the floor. Fucking just jammed. And Ginsburg was making his way through the crowd, and because it was so packed. When he, he came to go past me, there was time to say something. You know, and I, what you want in these situations is iconic, famous people like that, you know. Is it just to have some sort of an encounter with them, you know? 
for them for a moment to be looking at you. So words come out of your mouth, stupid words. And the words that came out of my mouth were, I was an Egypt, okay? Will, will you give me that? I was just an Egypt. I said, um, Is there a connection between Burroughs and Beckett, do you think? The poor man, like, you know. And he just looked at me for a second uh, and he said, Well, they were both very shy men. And then he walked off, you know. So I don't... I don't labour long on missed opportunities. And any time that I've taken advantage of one, I've always made a fucking fool out of myself. But I wonder sometimes, every time that you're doing something is a missed opportunity of doing nothing. I think that's my next great adventure. The adventure into doing nothing. The adventure into boredom and being delighted, trying to get the buzz out of ordinary things rather than looking for distraction and stimulation all the time. I remember one time the king of rock and roll was in Dublin. He might live there. And he was having a big rock and roll party. And uh, he sent word through the wind that I was to come down. It was almost, it felt like a summons, so I fucking refused it. Uh, the, the women that I was hanging out with at the time were disgusted. They were, oh, I, oh we would have loved that. We would love to come down and have a party with the king of rock and roll. I, you know... That, to me, that's not a missed opportunity. That's a you've avoided a kind of an awful situation. Loads of famous people and good-looking drugs and chaos and nobody has a clock that tells the right time. So you, 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 you could be three or four weeks getting over that. I remember another time... I deliberately wasn't invited to a party. Another Prince of Pop was having a jamboree. (laughs) And I was was in the circle that was moving out towards the party. And someone came over to me and said, Ah, I'm sorry. No comedians. (laughs) Like, who has a fucking party with no comedians? Like, that that was one of the things that they said. They said... They also said no journalists, but to have... I'm sorry, Tom, you're not allowed to come to this party. There's no comedians. And I know people who've moved into that circle. You know, fine people and... Um, but had to, had to sign non-disclosure agreements. I guess maybe you just end up there sometimes that you're so well known. That if you go, if you go wild, you don't want them stories appearing in the papers, you know. So uh, anybody who's hanging out with you just signs this legal agreement that I'll say nothing to nobody. You, you can't trust me. Now, where are the drugs? I think I've missed opportunities, though, in terms of conversations with people. And 
The wild thing about conversation is that you have an opportunity to leave yourself wide open to the unpredictability of other people's responses. And there are times, I think, where I've overly managed conversations or something like that, or just... And it, it doesn't hit you till well after. Before Gay Byrne died, uh, I met him a few times for pizza with his great friend, Harry Crosby. Um, we go to this little pizza place um, down near the Board Gosh Theatre. And Gay was... You could see that uh, he was going through something big, like it, a change was coming over him, and things were never going to be the same again. He was thinner. He was um, he was weaker. He looked more vulnerable. So we're, anyway, we're over uh, having this pizza, and we're yapping away and. You could sense maybe that the man was near dying, you know. Um, and he's, a, he's asking me questions, you know. Do, and would you believe in God? And do you think there's an afterlife? And of course, you know, it's like a putting a, a lit match to kindling. So I was, I was off, like, oh, so well, I think there's no. And I'll tell you one, and I read one time, and I said one time, and this and that. Fucking blathering on, and nothing wrong with blathering. It's, it's my saxophone. I'll play it, like, um, but it was only that was part of Gay Burns' genius. Was that if it if it is a genius, is that he never really told you how he was feeling? You know, there I am sitting across from one of the great vibrations in Irish life you know the way that change can be located in a person that a person becomes an a symbol an emblem of a turning point and and gay became that icon of of the change that Ireland went through from the 70s to the 90s he he was the figurehead for that you know a lot of more people involved there was a nation's energy behind it but gay was kind of like the the key maybe that opened the door um and i was only walking away afterwards and i realized fuck either he didn't give space or i didn't think because I was so wound up with my own opinions. Do you think there's a God gay? You know, instead of me talking about me at the age of 51 and in fine health, apart from a few few pains here and there, my leg still isn't right after the fall down the stairs. And so you'd hardly call whiskey and cigars a, a good diet. But anyway, m- me at this age... In not necessarily maybe in the prime of my health, but I'm not past my sell by date just just yet, you know. 
Use by 2045. And I never turned to him who was at the door. You know, the door of... As big a transition from non-existence into life was about to happen to him. He was about to go from life into the abyss. And I I never asked him. With all his wisdom and experience and thinking... I mean, it's the same as... I'm not saying he has more wisdom or experience than a, a cattle farmer living in Karna. You know, some old bachelor living on his own, never got married, loves a drop of putchin, doesn't have a television or a radio, and sits on a stone outside the house gazing out at the Aran Islands seven nights a week. But I had an opportunity talking to one of the elders of the Irish tribe and I, I, I didn't see it, you know. On the chat show that I do, I don't. Uh, there's things that you, I, I wish that I had said, sentences that come to you after the interview that you'd like to have, funny ones and kind of um, stuff that you just wanted to say. Anyway, when I was talking to Paul McGrath, and Paul McGrath said he wanted to thank the Irish people for taking him under his wing the sentence that afterwards came into my head that I wanted to say to Paul was that Paul your face is on the totem pole of Irish culture you're one of the faces that helps us define who we are when I was talking to uh, Kate who was a sex worker and I asked her generally speaking now uh, how much would the ride be? Like, how much can you... There's all types of rides, you know, all types of different and queer contraptions and shapes you could manipulate yourself into. But generally speaking, how much would the ride be in, and uh, of a night? She said, uh, about €300. Euro. And I was thinking about it afterwards. I would have loved to have been on the ball and said, €300, Euro, Jesus. Does it include breakfast? I wonder, is the, I think, I think, do you, good lad. Feelings have, uh, they're languageless, okay, and so you have this kind of um, feeling that is, uh, it's a wordless sense of something. That your imagination then tries to name. And not only does your imagination try and name it, your imagination then comes up with situations where, like, were you ever f- feeling bad about yourself? Or thought you were feeling bad about yourself? And next thing you can't stop thinking of fucking things that you've done to make you feel bad about yourself. Whether it be shame. Or something. And for some reason, for no reason at all that you can put your finger on, you're driving through Athlone, minding your own business. And next thing, you're flooded with all these scenarios of your own shameful behaviour and shameful decisions. And you're wondering, what the fuck? Why am I thinking about that now? And, and the mind is just burst with these horrific 
fucking recollections. Anyway. So. The imagination is always trotting after the heart. In, in, that it's always. Putting on a play that they think. That it thinks the heart is written or something like that. Anyway. So me going on about. Missed opportunities. You know. Me as a floating five year old. Saying oh I wish I had told. Or if there was some way of. The five of us or six of us in the house. Telling each other that we loved one another. Way back in Navan. In Tritown Heights. An awful small house. Jesus it's. If you got one caravan and put it on top of another. It would be bigger than what we were living in. What is that? Like why would you be thinking about that? Why would that come into your head? Maybe it's because there's there's stuff that you want to say to the people that you're living with now. Like I'm in the same situation as my father was in way back then. I'm the man of the house. I'm the I'm the king of the family. I'm in charge. So I've gone from being the child in that dynamic to the man adult. It's the same house. The same people are in it. Do you get me? A mother, a father and children. And a fantasy about that situation 46 years ago is a way of escaping the situation now. And that you want to say to the people what's actually happening is that you want to say to the people that you're living with now and forever that I got nothing but affection for all those who have sailed with me that you, that you love them in a silent way to say it silently with a look like say it silently with a look and if you say it once to the family if you say it all the time to the family that you're living with now then you're saying it for all time in every family that you've ever lived in I'm going to try and spend the rest of the day doing nothing, like, it's hard, it's hard to do nothing, just nothing. There was a, I had a missed opportunity at the beginning of this podcast, do you remember that? When I was talking about boredom and stuff like that, I, I, I realised I've missed an opportunity to talk about Patrick Kavanagh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to avail of it now. 
Kavanagh wrote these um, two great poems. I think we've done them for the Leave Insert. Uh, and there's a, a few great sentences in them. He talks about um, one is called Canal Bank Walk. And he kind of he goes on about uh, that I do the will of God, wallow in the habitual, the banal, grow with nature again as before I grew. Wallow in the habitual, the banal. You know, just to fucking let go and be ordinary and do fuck all. And then he has another poem. Uh, the one about um, lines written on a seat in the Grand Canal and he says you know he says don't commemorate me with a big fucking statue 29 foot tall of the poet with a pen in his hand with the glasses on like some Greek hero he says no no he said the best way to fucking remember me to commemorate me is that I'd, I'd love an old chair just planted somewhere the, by the canal where people can sit down and, and, and look at the water hardly moving. Good luck. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.